And live, this should be our Christmas episode, shouldn't it be? Yes. Our holiday hoops episode, which is oh, two weeks. Two weeks. From a couple days ago. December 30th and 31st, Holiday Hoops Camp. Get signed up oh, now. I thought you were talking about Christmas. I was like, well, sure Christmas is a week from weeks. Christmas is a week from today. Christmas week from today. Can't but, wait. Can't wait. Bart Scott. But we are in the studio. It is myself, Coach Baker. We have Coach Kyle. Good morning. We have Coach BG. Happy holidays. And Coach Sky, a little under the weather, uh, wasn't able to make it, but he did send us some sound bites. So, Sky, you're not here. Are we going to miss you? Is it a big deal you're not here? It's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. Don't need him. Okay, we don't need him then. We're good to go. Okay, let's rock and roll. Show goes on on a Wednesday. Uh, We appreciate you listening as always. And uh, we're going to jump into some basketball talk as per usual. Talking a lot about passing today. We'll get to some of our picks and best thing that we saw. Um, First of all, I want to jump into uh, some of the things that we have going on here over break. Avera Select, we got a couple teams wrapping up with their, uh, I guess, first semester tournaments. BG at the Pentagon. Kyle, you're at the Pentagon. And uh, Coach uh, Heckenlight was at the Pentagon with his eighth grade boys. Um, really good stuff so far. This past weekend, we were in Omaha and Vermilion and Sioux City and uh, Northwest Iowa. We were at Dort and five championships, which doesn't, this doesn't like mean the most to us or doesn't matter the most to us as a program, but to get really good competitive games and learn and grow. And I know for me, my, my two teams did that, and I think we have seen a lot of adversity, and I think we can learn from that and grow. But um, just quick, I, I know we kind of mentioned a lot in the podcast, but quick just first kind of semester recap of some things that you've seen that you're hoping to move forward in the second semester and, and build on from a very select state of view. I probably talk about it every single time. Late game situational awareness um, with both of my teams, um, whether it's playing with the lead or in a tight game down the stretch or trying to get back into a game down the stretch. Um, And that's what we work a lot on in practice, but we still have uh, times where... We still have times where we'll be up three, zero, no shot clock, and we're shooting jump shots that are contested with way too much time on the floor when we don't have to shoot at all. So just kind of figuring that out. And, like, again, another thing we talk about every week, I'd rather lose a close game by two and get those situations in actual, like, games than win games by 40. So I think those types of games are invaluable. So whether that's playing up or going out and playing against really good Sioux City teams, seeing different types of teams. I know you saw some tough Omaha teams in Sioux Falls, actually. So, I mean, first semester has been really good and looking to continue to build moving forward. Kyle? Yeah, and a few things that we've touched on kind of before, but... What can I do without the basketball in my hands? How can I impact the game without scoring? Um, And still trusting each other to make the right reads and buying into each other. And with that, you know, Bill Belichick's biggest thing is do your job and figuring out what exactly is your job moving forward and kind of honing into that job and taking pride in that. Um, And with that, just the consistency things that we always talk about, the energy, the effort, the... Um, knowing your responsibilities in every play, um, things like that moving forward. Because as we grow into the next semester, we are going to start building that chemistry. And with that, we got to be able to do the little things right first before we can grow any um, sort of consistency together as a team. 
Yeah. Um, I think my biggest thing is passing, and we'll get into that Ooh, today. A little, a little segue. Little segue. Um, I think for my girls, uh, just being able to pass the ball at a higher level will lead to easier shots. Um, and then when we see adversity, just never – Never giving up, you know. I think that's one of those things that that um, you know, good times or bad times, you you got to control your energy and and not give up. And I think that's important, Sky. Exactly, cannot give up. Hundred percent. I think that you have to always be composed and play through the game, and that's where the passing thing comes in. And I think with my girls, when we struggle, we kind of just lose that composure and lose that energy. And we got to make sure that we are um, staying focused on what we can control and, and not giving up that piece of the game. So. Um, yeah. Anything else to add on that, fellas? Mine's about the same. Perfect. Um, well, let's move right into our passing discussion. Um, you know, BG, you kind of had the idea. It's the season of giving, right? Yep. Yeah. And so let's give the ball to our people and let's pass and let's share it. Um, so first kind of um, thought process and topic here is what makes a good passer? Go. What makes a good passer <clears throat> to me? It's not – and this is more so – the youth level, all right, because a lot of people think great passers get a lot of assists, but that's not necessarily the case. Great passers are always looking, thinking of play, thinking next play, always thinking before they get the basketball where they can get the basketball to, or um, it kind of goes into vision to kind of being able to get by your person and see where the help comes from and then get the ball to where that help gets to. So having a different array of passes, whether mm-hmm. it be a chest pass, step pass, being able to pass with both hands. So there's ways to develop into a great passer. <clears throat> um, what, uh, we'll talk about that. Can you develop a passer? Can you, or you just, do you have it? Maybe you have it. I think um, good passers, a couple things I always talk about, and it's relatable to everything, but you have to be always on balance. So whether you jump stop or whether you're catching the ball or whether you're even maybe dribbling and you're doing a nice little one-hand push pass or backhand flick pass, if you're dribbling chest over your feet off balance, that ball's not going to be on time on target. Um, so I think that's one. I think, too, I think the best passers are people that just kind of – you kind of insinuated it, BG, but, like, where's the next pass? And, like, how do we score? So if we have an advantage, is it an extra pass there? Or I think really good passer is one that can see a post has got an advantage and they're going to skip it to the other mm-hmm. side, and so that person can throw it in. Like, to me, the first person who made that skip is the really good passer because they can recognize how the defense is guarding him and see it or where the rotation is going to come from and see it. And, uh, you know, that's what I've always liked about LeBron is, like, he can just see where the stuff's coming from and see the defense rotations. And I talk about that with my kids. The more you understand how to play defense – easier the game's going to become because you understand where teams should rotate not and so when you're driving you're like oh that kid's helping but that kid's not sinking so that pass on down the baseline's wide open so i think having that and you said vision i think having an understanding of how defenses rotate and always being balanced and under control yeah they were great a couple things i think of right away is just being able to use your eyes to manipulate yeah um whenever you know who you're going to throw to pass or throw a pass to you need to be able to use them eyes to look them off in some fashion um, another thing I always talk about, what's the best pass in basketball? It's kind of a trick question. It's a catchable pass. You have to know who you're throwing the pass to. You're not going to throw the same to maybe you're a certain player on your team than you are your best guard because you know I can throw anywhere in their radius and make that catch. 
we've all had those bigs where you can throw it right into their hands and you know they're going to drop it no matter what. Yeah. So understanding who you're passing to, and like you touched on before, seeing the best passers in this world see the play before it happens. They can already anticipate the second pass. Everyone can make the first read. That's an easy pass to make. But after that, how do I read and react from the defense? And with that, you got to have confidence. Like we talked about with BG said with especially youngsters, you may not get them, the stats might not show up where you're getting assists. But having that faith in your teammates, no matter what, I'm making the right read, and they know that no matter what. As soon as they start understanding that, okay, I've missed my last three shots, they're not going to pass me the ball anymore. Or if you start thinking that way, now they're not going to space the court in general. So making the right reads, trusting your teammates, and then knowing who you're passing to while, and you have to be kind of creative and a little shifty with it. A lot of that comes to your skill set. The biggest thing is vision by far. And like we talked about, we're going to jump into it. Can that be taught? Yeah. I think the eyes is a big thing. I think that was a great point. I mean, the more active your eyes are, and we always talk about playing with your eyes up, dribbling the ball with your eyes up. But I'm talking about seeing defenses. You can't do that if your eyes are down. You can't mm-hmm. do that if you're not playing. And you, Like even off ball, when I'm anticipating the ball being swung at me so I can make that drive and baseline flood pass or I can just dump it into the post, I have to play with my eyes up the entire time to see, okay, the defense is playing this way. When that ball gets swung, I know exactly where I'm going with it. Um, and so it's that IQ piece, but the eyes is huge. You get in the lane and you're, if your eyes are on the rim, great. If your eyes are staring down where you're going to pass it to, they're just going to go right there defensively. And you see that <clears throat> most with like, I guess not most, but for me the most fun players to play with are like passing bigs. Oh, yeah. And w- there's some big, so when they get their tunnel vision, their black hole, because, I mean, I, being a post player has got to be tough because you're not going to get a lot of touches anymore. But there's a lot of players, like you see Jokic. I played with Kyle Dewar, who was one of the greatest passers. Shaq was uh, a great passer. Yes, he was. Love it. Get it. And they're just looking at where the help's coming from. You see LeBron when he's got the ball in the post. He's yep. just waiting for that double team to come and f- looking for an assist, really. Yep. So my favorite players to play with were passing bigs, yeah. and it's all about those eyes. Instead of, like, looking at, hey, how am I going to get a bucket right now? It's all just looking at, I know where my defender's at, looking where the help side's at and where yeah. I can find an open shot, whether it's me creating one for myself or before I even start dribbling, can I get a quick one for a skip pass three or a skip pass, create a closeout, and then yeah. attack, and then I'm going to get a dump off because yeah. my guy's got to go help now. So unselfish bigs are one of the most fun players to play with but again it starts with the ability to handle the basketball because if you're big and you can't really dribble yeah you're probably not going to have that vision out the gate so one thing to add on to that is just your shoulder depth like when you're high you're likely going to drop down low to pass or if you're low you're going to drop down high we talk about fake a pass make a pass that's kind of that same thing using kind of your shoulders and your bodies to manipulate the defense first before you drop down make a pass and understanding like i said the importance of the eyes, and it's not as soon as you drive, you're staring at the rim the entire time. It's you got. It's got to look like you're about to say an actual shot. So whatever you do when you take a normal shot, that's got to look exactly the same. Because no matter what, you can tell your defense. You know, watch their chest or focusing on a shoulder or a hip. But it's our na- our human nature to watch the eyes. We can't help ourselves. We always follow the eyes when we're playing defense. For sure. I was good. That's good. Yeah. Um. I think that. Uh, all those points are very relevant and so we talk about the eyes and we talk about all the different skill pieces to it and the IQ piece let's jump into how do we develop that then how do we develop passers a lot of it is a skill thing and we can do a lot of passing drills here and there but your guys' thoughts on maybe different drills or different cues you're giving to people or different things you're saying to develop ability to pass the ball the easiest I think is a two on two situation 
where you're starting at an offensive advantage because that's, to me, like, I know my defender's behind me, so if I draw help and pass it out, it's an open shot. So that's kind of understanding reading that second line of defense, which is a huge thing when it comes to vision. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I tell all my players that play for me, the first thing I'll do is, like, hey, when you guys play 2K, you can use that to your advantage and work on reading that third line of defense because you're seeing the floor in a third-person view as opposed to, like, yeah. first-person point of view. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you're coming off a screen and roll, if your lob keeps getting stolen, identify where that help has come from, and it's always the corner, all right? And you see Euro people are always working that little hook pass over the top. You see Lucas. Ava Kellenberger, shout-out, hook pass. Ava Kellenberger's got the hook pass with both hands. She is going to be special. Write the name down. But understanding where the help came from and finding where that help came from and you can see that easier in a third person thing but the second you start thinking that oh my role man's covered where'd that person come from it's usually the corner being able to get that past the corner um so you're saying you're saying we can learn stuff from video you games? can learn stuff from video games hmm. uh, maybe you talked about this i i will tell all my players that because everyone plays if we somehow be able to put like our rosters into a team and so they could play with themselves and then play as other people on our team to build strengths and weaknesses. Maybe it's actually matched up to what they are. I mean, I know that's a little over the top, cool. but you can have, have all yeah, your cool, like holiday tournament. That's how LeBron and the Lakers got off to such a quick start because he was <laughs> like playing two K with them and put it on his story. Yeah, but he said that too. He's trying to build, like, find out all their weaknesses and strengths and where they can catch and shoot and certain stuff like that. And and don't steal our idea if you do. Shout us out. We like a little pay cut with that. Yeah. But with that, I mean, developing it, it's one of the hardest things to do. Um, I think a lot of like that, that vision you are born with, I mean, you can just kind of tell at a young age. Can it be developed? Yes, but I think it takes time. Um, to start, you got to be able to pass with both hands. That's the biggest thing. If you can't off the dribble with both hands. If you're not comfortable with your right and left, it's gonna be very difficult. Like you see at this age, a lot of people like to just pass with their strong hand. Mm-hmm. And as a defender, that's easier to- Get a deflection on. Get a deflection on. So being able to have confidence and okay, maybe in practice, that left-handed pass or that right-handed pass might not look very good right away, but just keep doing it over and over and kind of building it and building it. And we do it all the time in our practices, you know, starting with advantage. And I think that is the best way to start um, to build it. But then when it gets to a five-person setting, what does that do to you? Mm-hmm. You know, do you completely lose? You know, when it's two-on-two, two, it's a little easier. The spacing's a little easier. But then how can you um, apply that to an actual game and make those reads? So what do you say to someone who's maybe, who's got that, <clears throat> he's got some vision as a young age and can make some passes and do that kind of stuff, and... Um, at this age, I see it a lot. Someone who maybe isn't a great catcher, or they're making a good read and passing to somebody who's maybe not the best shooter, and we're getting those shots. From a coaching perspective, how do you balance the, that's a great pass, great read, um, to make a different decision? Or you just keep telling them that's the best decision you can make, keep doing that, and we're going forward, and you live with the result. And what I mean by that is I'm driving and or BG's driving, he's kicking to me at the three-point line, and I'm 20%. Yeah. Rather than he'd be better off to jump, stop, reverse pivot, and find the next one 
out there? Or is you're going, hey, that's the best read. You're making a great read. And do you stick with that, developing the one passer versus the team concept in a in a team format or a game format? For me, it's just making the right play. Like, if I have a seventh grader shooting 20% three-point line, I don't really care because yeah. you get a kick out to the corner and you're open in a high school game, you better shoot that. And if you're not going to shoot that, guess what? You're not going to be on the floor. Yeah. Like, so make the right play and if you're not shooting that you're kind of hamstringing our team especially right. when we're in tougher games where it's hard to get good looks like that so I mean it gets frustrating and I've right. seen that especially in younger players because you don't I mean at the higher levels you don't see as much like right. guys who just can't catch they'll be I guess I asked the question because um I, I I lean that way too like keep making the right play keep making the right decision and we live with that because I think the one of the things I always got frustrated as a big LeBron fan you know this would be eight years ago oh LeBron's gonna take that shot LeBron always made the right play yep, no matter what like in the game situation eight seconds left he's drawn three dudes and he's kicking out to someone like I'm, I'm sitting there going, that's a great decision. You're a great passer. You're doing something for your team. Like To me, I want to play with a great passer because they are going to make a good decision to get our team the best shot. Like Being a playmaker and a good passer, like you're trying to get the best shot for your team. Like Even if it's like on a baseline flood pass, I catch it, I might have a shot, but the real good ones are the ones that make the yeah, extra pass, yeah. and then that person's going to shot. Even if it's not like an elite shooter at this point, I'm good with it because I think it's developing that IQ piece and like maybe that feeds off to everybody else. And yeah, if that's I'm, exactly. And if I'm coaching like, oh, you should force that shot or you should pass up passing that kid and make that pass, we're really not teaching the idea of like what's a really good shot and that might feed into everyone else going, oh, that was the best pass. Oh, okay. And maybe they're learning it that way then. And that's kind of a situation with that last year with one of my teams where they kept getting frustrated because they're making the right reads and the shots weren't going in. I think I celebrate more the extra pass and making the right reads than I do if we score a bucket. Because I want them to understand eventually, as you guys get older and grow, like you talked about, the more you can learn the game and make the right reads, things will fall into place for yourself and for your team. But as soon as your teammates understand or think that you don't trust them, that's where it kind of breaks up everything within the team. So just knowing and having that confidence, and the more, if your best passer on your team continues to put the ball in your hands, that's going to give you that most confidence to keep shooting, to maybe you're now going to make that extra pass. Especially when you find your best score is your best passer. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot with my fifth graders and just understanding how you can dictate the game by passing, especially that first five minutes. Like, I know you can get yours whenever you want to get yours. But early on, try to instill that confidence and maybe um, not our best scores or... Um, can't create their own shot. Yeah. Get them going early. Get yeah. them some confidence, even if they're missing. Yeah. You know you're making the right read. They know that you trust them now. So they're going to move and space the court better for you. They're going to set harder screens for you. So eventually you're going to get yours. And I think that the, the, we've been talking here a little bit about developing versus maybe just having it a little bit, and some kids have it earlier than others. But I think the one thing that I try to preach on, especially with my younger teams, and at times I think probably – there's frustration because it's leading to maybe more turnovers or maybe it's a little bit off so we don't get a clean shot on the pass but when we see presses and we see zones to pass the ball and stop dribbling it because right now it's going to be a 23 to 17 game and it's going to be 20 turnovers but does that help them develop the idea on how to attack defenses how to read defenses and how to pass the ball and not just the two best passers on my team but everybody else that needs that skill and to me i go back to what you said bg like 
I sh- I need to keep enforcing that and keep celebrating. Like, man, you guys did a great job attacking that. Like, we just gotta work on the the skill piece, mm-hmm. the passing, the leading, the catching, and. To me, long term, that's what's going to benefit them more, and then that's when you see the ones going, that, that dang! Like, how did Jokic become a good passer? Like, there's no way it was just like, hey, we're going to let at a young age we're going to let someone dribble the ball around, and you're just going to be there. the ball was in his hands a ton, probably making decisions and having. I was going to gonna say ball. cutting down trees in Yugoslavia. <laughs> that but. could be, but I mean, like getting the ball in people's hands in situations where they have to pass. When maybe I'm comfortable being a shooter in sixth grade, or I'm comfortable being a post or a layup maker. Like, you need to pass. Yes. And, and like, to your point, if we can pass and that person can develop passing, then it gets back to our best decision-maker's hand if the defense has moved and they can attack and make a read. What a better shot we're getting. And that's as coaches instilling that confidence and letting certain players make mistakes. Yeah. And knowing, okay, we may not win this game, but for their growth, it's going to be the best. We've all seen, you know, where they have one player that they don't trust, so they put them in a situation where they're not going to touch the ball the entire possession. Mm -hmm. So they're not growing as a player at all. So understanding the development piece with, yes, you're trying to win basketball games, but that's not the most important part at this age and moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to get into best passers, and maybe this could be all-time, people that you've really admired. I've mentioned LeBron a couple times. I think he's a very good passer. I know Sky would agree with LeBron. Um, But... Best passers that you've seen. It can be guys you've played with. It can be guys you've watched. What are some names that come to mind when you think best passers? He's kind of fallen off. I'm still riding. I love Lonzo. Go watch Lonzo in college. He's the best like hit ahead passer I've ever seen. So if you, I, and I had synergy luckily when he was in college, and so I got to watch every single possession. But like. His isn't about, like, assists. He'd just get the ball and throw it to the first person he saw open. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you want to be a seven seconds or less type team, it's not going to be about, like, walking it up and having a point guard that's going to find an assist out of that quick pick and roll. It's about just getting the ball up the floor as fast as you can and letting them create with a two-on-two, a two-on-one, three-on-two, whatever it may be. So as far as hit-ahead passing goes, I think Lonzo has to be my absolute favorite and Kevin Love Kevin outlet Love, yeah. passing Kevin Love. amazing LeBron has thrown some full court chess passes this year which have been unreal um, some local ones that come to mind Ryder Kirsch he threw a legitimate dot like <laughs> at the Pentagon so it's a full NBA floor got a rebound and just baseball passed over the top in stride to, I think it was Trigger Mike, Mike Gilton, um, for a layup, no dribbles. Six, like seven quarterback throwing it down the floor. It was awesome. It was awesome. And another STM homer pick, Drew Gilton. But she had she had that vision you couldn't teach. So, yeah. And she had the right and left hand, off the dribble, one hand passing. Like, STM's put out some good passers. Yeah. Just a couple of the come to mind right away. Pete Maravich, back in the day. Did you um, watch him a lot? I, I actually did a wax museum. I was him. So I have three books on him. Ooh. I've watched a lot of films. It's my dad's favorite. Ooh. There I go throwing Ooh. shots. Ooh. Cal Ooh. comes back. Right. <laughs> Cal came um, ready. Pistol Pete, Jason Williams, okay. Jason Kidd, and Steve Nash were kind of the first four NBA guys that really came to mind. And, you know, they understood. And I think I talked about this in a previous pod, but who needs to touch the ball and when they need to touch the ball. They understood if it's been five possessions and someone hasn't touched the ball, we're getting the ball to their hands. 
and um, it's 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 so fun to watch a good passer. Yeah. You don't see it as much nowadays, but you, when you do see it, you're like, wow, that's really fun. And I talk about it to my players all the time, like how much more fun is it to make that extra pass? Like when you make a sweet pass, maybe a Noah pass or just the backdoor cut pass. Like I know when I played, I got more jacked about that than making a layup or shooting a three. Yeah. Because I know, okay, I could have probably shot that ball, but I'm making the extra pass for you. Now both of us are happy. Right. Rather than one person being happy. Yeah. So then were the first four that kind of came to my mind. Um, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I think I, – I, Ever since LeBron came to the league, I've just watched him and go, man, you make the great play. Like you make his, his vision is just really, really good. I think there's different kind of passers. Like I think um, John Stockton was the first guy to really play in the pick and roll with like Carl Malone. Like those guys really like not the first guys, but they really like ran it consistently. And his ability to attack the pick and roll and find different ways to throw the pocket pass. And then Steve Nash took it to the new level as far as getting to, like when people started icing it and getting the baseline and keeping his dribble alive and snaking people and Chris Paul and all those kind of things as far as controlling defenses to create opportunities to pass. I think those guys are really, really good. Um, I always loved Shaq growing up, and Shaq's ability to pass the ball was awesome. Akeem Olajuwon's ability to pass the ball was excellent. Um, Jokic is that big now. Mm-hmm. And uh, those guys are just fun to watch, and they got to be fun to play with because you know when the ball goes to those guys, it's not necessarily going up all the time where – you know, I, I would probably say from a skill set, a guy like James Harden can pass the ball. If you go all the way back to when they lost to the Heat in the finals with Westbrook and Durant, Harden was the one initiating uh-huh. every single play down the stretch and making decisions. So he can pass the ball. It's just now it stops in his hands so much it's not fun to play with. I think yeah. passers that are fun to play with are the guys there. Creativity-wise, Jason Williams, White Chocolate, was super fun to watch. Like, you can go YouTube his highlights. Just crazy. Kevin Love came to mind. I think... One of the things I want to ask as we kind of go in, maybe we can just go into this, but like the hardest passes to throw, like some of the hardest passes, and out, a good outlet pass is a hard thing. Kevin Love, I'm watching him at UCLA getting a rebound, and he's just Kevin Love at two UCLA hand chest passing it down the floor. Thick Kevin Love was a sight to behold. Like, I'm like, that's different. We haven't seen that before. His ability to get a rebound and just outlet 50 feet down the floor on the money. And that's when it like. Awesome. He brought big time outlet passes back because there were because he was throwing like full court chest yeah. passes between games and you have Jay Billis doing his like fresh off a commercial break they're like hey Kevin Love was throwing full court chest pass foot so he made like outlet passing cool for bigs yeah, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> the thing that separates um, Homer you could name Luca all these guys with a ton of assists but Lonzo isn't a ball handler in the half court like He'll catch the ball and just keep it moving, which you don't see a lot of in the NBA, and that's why I love watching him. Um, another name that comes to mind, Max Nielsen from Sioux Valley. Watching him live, like we do pick and roll four on four, yeah. five and five in a lead camp. Good floor vision. He is, and he, like a lot of the people we listed have been tall and can see over people. You got Ryder Kurz, Drew Gilton was like a six one point guard. Max can't see over everyone. Yeah. But he still has that vision, so he's he's a different type of. I'll beast. throw out a local name for you, which I was so impressed with all the time, and she's currently an eighth grader and Ooh, got a chance to be an all state player. Emily Fox at Mount Vernon playing it, and she was a sixth grader in our very select program, and I brought her up to play on my eighth grade team one tournament. And her ability to see the floor and make passes to people, I was just like, that is different at your age. And now she was she was able to do it last year as a seventh grader playing varsity, taking her team to this, helping take her team to the state tournament, and still making those passes. And I'm just going, that that's awesome. It's got to be so much fun to play with. And mm-hmm. 
And, and that's one where it's like, I think we can develop good passers, but some people just learn it earlier than others. Some people just have an ability to kind of have a feel for the game, for lack of a better word. And she was one of them. I just at sixth grade, I was just like, wow. And now watching her, she gets older. I'm just like, you know. She gave me a triple-double machine. Yeah. She's a triple-double machine as an eighth grade. It's wild. It's fun to watch. She's going to legitimately average a triple-double. I think a big part of that, too, is playing multi-sports growing up. Playing soccer. I think soccer players are my better players. Last year, uh, shout out Addie Fawcett. She's a freshman at Sioux Falls Lincoln now. Um, I don't. I wouldn't consider Addie an elite athlete. I wouldn't consider her tall. I wouldn't consider her the best shooter or scorer on the floor. But she was my best decision maker. But she understood spacing and cutting and how people moved. And she's a very good soccer player. And it was like, I think that translates. Talking about runs and angles and playing in triangles and where to pass the ball and how to lead people. Like that soccer, very relative for sure. And I think just baseball, hand-eye coordination. Like you don't understand the things that you bring with you on the basketball court, but you're always picking a little bit from every little sport you've always played. And it kind of all brings into one. Um, One recent one that I want to talk about, Justin Hone. Very good. Oh, very good. He's probably my favorite to watch play. Yeah, shout out Justin Hone. My guy. He just, he's always breaking down defenses, finding, making the extra pass. He was one that always trusted his teammates. He probably could have averaged 20 a game, but he knew for his team to be successful. He'd average 18. He'd average 18. Yeah. He had 10 assists on top of that. Yep. And cause he, when he was moving the ball and getting everyone involved, that's when that team was really, really good. Really good. And yeah. when you have a score like Noah, like you don't need to do all that. But he was one who definitely took a step back in scoring just to create for others. And that was. And he awesome made some of those other kids better for sure. All 100%. Yeah. Um, another name that comes to mind that has to do with soccer, you got to shout him out. Best passer in the program, Eddie Knoll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could be a name to His watch. Four visions different. Yeah. Anyone else? I mean, we could sit and name passers. We could sit and name passers forever. We really could. Um, I, there's guys I've coached against. Yeah, Morris does a great job. There's guys I've coached against, and I'm just like, I don't know how we guard him because he was. there's a kid that played at – Midland University for Coach Eisner years ago, Galen Gully, Omaha kid. He's 5'8". He killed us. Every pick and roll decision was just, that was good. <laughs> I don't know how we guard that guy. Um, but yeah, we could go on and on and on about passers, but real quick, Nate, if you guys have it in your on your idea or your mind, give me, you watch basketball, what are the maybe one, two, three hardest types of passes to throw? hard to teach it takes a special player to do it I'll start I think that outlet pass that we talked about Kevin Love that's really really tough Um, I think another pass that's hard to throw is a flare whether you're skipping it or whether you have to dribble at it outside hand and hit him it takes a little bit of savvy to understand where that cutter is getting open and the timing of the pass to make sure when they catch it is open. Um, I think that one's really hard. And then the other one I think is difficult, I think people are starting to become better at it because it's becoming more prevalent in the game, is just like in a tight pick and roll from that tight pocket. It's a short little bounce pass to a short roll. It takes a really good catcher, I think, as far as being able to catch that and be ready for it. But to be able to put it in a position, you watch the NBA, some of these guys are 6'1 guards throwing it to 7-footers. Their ability to throw a little pocket pass, bounce, and it gets right to their hands, which is probably 5 feet in the air. It starts at 3 and it gets to 5 in the air based on the height differential. I think that's a very difficult pass to be on time, on target, and let them make decisions. Those are my three that I think, wow, those are tough passes. Um, I would say at the youth level, 
the one that most consistently drives me insane is just a post entry pass. Oh, like, do we not practice that enough? We don't not. We I don't think it's less stuff. about the pass itself and where the more where the pass is coming from. But I swear, every single time out, I talk about where we should enter the ball to the post from. Um, Quick question: Post pass. Do kids struggle based on the ball pressure, or do they struggle being able to read how the post defender is guarding? I think it's more ball pressure, to be honest. See, and I disagree. Because I think, like, they they can't see the – are they high side or are they low side and where they throw the ball? And if they're low side, is their middle help, like, right in there in the lane that if I lead them too far, I can't get it? To me, it's I would, I would disagree with you, but I would love to hear your thought. Uh, for me, it's always, like – because they'll be throwing – it's not like they're trying to throw a straight chest pass to the or a straight bounce pass to the post. Like, they'll be throwing their little step bounce, but it, they'll just always get a hand on it. Or they'll be throwing it from above the free throw line. Angle, and it yeah. won't even have to be a three-quarter front, but they'll find a way to get around. And so it could be the post not holding them off. But Yeah, that's um, part of it. <clears throat> that pass just I, – I'd probably spend one time out talking about post-entry passes a game. Yeah. Um, so that one is one of the first ones to come to mind. We have some sets with flare passes, and every time we throw that flare – less with my seventh grade, I kind of trust them more. Um, my sixth graders, I kind of hold my breath on, and I preach every time we do five on a play, it has to be catch, overhead pass with some mustard on yep. it. Like, I don't want a Kirk Cousins duck. Okay, um, another pass that is super tough that you don't see a lot, but when it does get completed every single time, it's like, oh, my God, that was unreal. Oh, my gosh, that was unreal. Is a... Hit ahead, bounce pass through traffic. Ooh. <laughs> like I saw Jaylee Jay Lee Williams, this the one-handed. Oh gosh, that was one of the sickest passes I've ever seen in my life. I saw one. I think it was probably Ethan Swenson on my team. He, but that pass, like for you to see that, yeah, you have to be a different type of player. Yeah. And, and then, then to try that and actually like do it. Every single time those get completed, my jaw will, like, drop, and I'll look over to the bench. Like, Holy cow, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And kind of to piggyback off, piggyback off that is backdoor cuts or any time where you have to lead someone to a spot. I think that is the hardest thing for youngsters to do. Um, it's trusting them to cut at a certain speed, and they're always just a little behind with that pass. Like, whether it's a hit-ahead or it's just a backdoor cut. And with that, like the post-entry, one thing I want to talk about is the eyes. Because whenever we struggle with post-entry, we are staring down that mm-hmm. post for three seconds. Everyone in the whole gym knows no, that they have a good seal, and they just eyes, eyes, eyes. If they were just for jab one way for one second. And my biggest thing with the, pressure, with the pressure is you got to put pressure on the defense first. So maybe it's just a jab and one quick dribble at and then you're back into it yeah. rather than just holding that basketball. Because if you're pressuring me hard and I dribble at you, naturally you're going to take one step back and your arms may come down and then you make that pass rather than just getting on your back foot and throwing it right away. So understanding maybe I do need to take one escape dribble from that pressure and then get to my entry passes. And obviously the fake pass, make pass, high-low stuff. Yeah, the fake high-low the is the stuff that kind of just gets forgotten in the heat of battle. and. It's probably something I should do a better job of doing in practice mm-hmm. because obviously fake high throw low is your first thought, but I don't know if I've ever got it installed in Mike where you fake low and just throw it right past their ear. Yeah. Like they just can't get their hand up there. So Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to enter the post, honestly. And as a post player, like 
I felt like a bounce pass was slow and it was at my knees. And if I had a great seal, I lost it because of that. Like, I'd rather you catch it and zip it right past your defender's mm-hmm. ear to me. And if I can't catch it, sub me out, you know. But to me, that was just like, oh, they're playing high side, just throw it here. Boom, at my low side hand, I'll get it, I'll score. Yeah. You know. And, and with the post, just understanding the mesh point of when do I release and step yeah. to the basketball. Yeah. Because whenever we have, you know, they have a great seal they just want to keep that seal and stay with that seal but as soon as that ball is released at some point you have to step to that basketball to you know step at mm-hmm. it because if you're not the defense is and that's usually when they're getting that hand in there yeah yeah good stuff good talk um last pass i'm gonna throw out get in fronted or a high low throw it over the top put some touch on it i take pride in being the best over the top i might be in front of passer in the history we might have to go play some pickleball then let guys front me and see what you can do love it all right, uh, um, good stuff. Should we move on to picks? Anything else on passing, I guess I should say. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should consult the Point Guard Academy leaders' thoughts on this. I mean, yeah, I mean, Sky? Mine's about the same. Okay. Not a man of many words. All right, he's a short-winded guy. Simple guy. Uh, well, good. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, the picks, Kyle. We haven't done them in a while. Um, going back to the state tournament, I think was the last time we did picks, 309, episode 309. Um, so we kind of said if you went above 500, you got a win. If you went below 500, you got a loss. Yeah. So let's kind of just give where we're at standing-wise, and then we'll do the picks for this week. Um, standing-wise... We are at updated records here. Baker's 25, 15, and 1. I'm at 21, 19, and 1. Sky's 20, 20, and 1. And BG's at 18, 21, and 1. Um, there's a couple picks I gotta update that aren't here. So I'll get updated records as soon as the um, Christmas is over and we get back from the holidays. No, hey, but we're still... new year, new records. Come on. <laughs> well, so. What do we got? We got a couple of NFL games, then we have yep. the the uh, Division One playoff, like the Final Four, whatever they yep, call we'll it. Start with that. We'll start with our um, college football playoff. First one we got here: LSU Tigers are favored by fourteen versus Oklahoma. Woof. And the line has changed in the last fifteen hours because there's Oklahoma players that are going to be suspended for the bowl game. Potentially. Really makes yeah. sense. I'm, I'll start it off. I'm going with the Tigers. It's the year of destiny. Coach O. Is it destiny to take second or what? <laughs> LSU will beat Oklahoma. Bye. Hey, real quick, conspiracy theory. Do you think Coach O is actually the voiceover for the Kool-Aid man? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Oh, yeah. I want to see hey, it. Maybe. I want to see the Kool-Aid. I've never seen him in the same place at the same time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Similar body and I st- bet Coach O can bust through a wall. Similar body structure. Yes. Very similar build. Tone of voice. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's get on that. I want to, I want to, we should make a YouTube video of the Kool-Aid man just with Coach O. Audio. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> Welcome to Death Valley where dreams come to die. <laughs> I'm all in on that. Um, speaking of all in, I'm all in on the Tigers. I've said it since day one. They are the best team in the country, no matter how much Coach BG disagrees with me. I think they will cover the 14, and LSU Tigers will make it to the championship game. You know, I love LSU. I love Joe Burrow, future Bengal. Um, I don't like that you guys think they're the best team in the nation. That makes zero sense to me. So I think Jalen Hurts, 
He's on a revenge tour of his own. I think he's going to keep it close. They're going to be able to score on LSU. I got but will Oklahoma be able to stop Oklahoma in points? It'll be like forty-two to thirty. Boom, got me. All right, moving on. Next semifinal game we have the favored Clemson Tigers minus two over BG's Ohio State Buckeyes. Clemson is Ohio favored. State Buckeyes. Clemson Ohio State favored. Buckeyes. I don't get it. That's fine. I mean, I, the one seed, two seed, it's whatever. You got to beat the best to. I mean. It's a Final Four. Every game's going to be tough, so I don't really care. Like, give me Clemson. Dispose of them. Give me LSU. Dispose of them. Chase Young, come back, run it back. The back-to-back championships. Then go to the Bengals. Okay, so who'd you pick? Ohio State. Okay. <laughs> cover the plus two. Easy. No, not cover. Right. To win. All right. Um, I will. Go ahead and agree. Best team in the nation. Now, Clemson has, they set the record, they've won like nine games by 35 or more. And I know they're playing the ACC. Yeah, I was going to say, say what do you want? But I think Ohio State is very good. I think they're the second best team in the country. And I think that we will find out who really is. They have the best resume in the country. We're going to find out who the real McCoy is here in January when it's LSU, Ohio State. So I'll take uh, the Buckeyes. I'm going to go a little bit against the grain here. I'm sticking with the ACC. I think you... When yeah, because the ACC has shown so much this year. When you have a senior class that's been to three out of four national championships and played in these big games, they've been through all the preparation, they know how to... The weeks leading up to it, how to deal with the media, they know how to handle themselves on and off the field. I think there's a lot that goes into it. And with that, no one is talking about the Clemson Tigers. Um, I think they win... I don't know if it's by two. I'm going to take them by two. Cubs and Tigers will be the Ohio State Buckeyes. Sky, be one of the best games ever. Sky, you good with those picks or? Uh, I was good. That's good. Okay. All right, All right then. Let's move on to the NFL. All right, we have four picks here in the NFL. We have the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Packers um, are getting five points. A lot of playoff implications here on the line. Packers and Vikings. Where is it at? It is at Minnesota. Okay, I. Set in the stadium, watch the Broncos go up 20 to nothing, and then watch the Vikings figure it out and the Broncos collapse. Was it more they figured it out or a Vikings fan got a hold of a good luck charm? It was the second one. <laughs> to my chagrin. To my chagrin, yes. Um, however, I'm kind of like, fair or not fair, I'm kind of an anti-Vikings guy because I'm a Broncos and everyone here thinks the Vikings are so good and all they do is blow it. I'm going to go against my own grain here. Whether they win outright or not, I at least think they cover. I got the Vikings. I like that. I think the Vikings defense is very scary. Um, top to bottom, I think they have one of the best defenses in the league. Aaron Rodgers hasn't quite looked like Aaron Rodgers yet, and I keep waiting for that game for him to break out. But they've just been winning ugly and uglier. Ah, it hurts my heart, but I think the the Vikings will cover the minus five. Hey, you guys are overthinking this. Aaron Rodgers hasn't played good in a little bit, so what better thing to do than put him in a dome and then put, what is it, Xavier Rhodes or whatever the Rhodes guy is who I see Vikings fans crying about on Twitter every single week. Get him guarding anyone out there wearing green and gold, and that person will be open, and Aaron Rodgers will find him. So 
I'm going to go with Green Bay to win handily because they're the better team. Okay. I like it. Next game, um, another playoff um, implication game here. Dallas Cowboys minus two and a half at the Philadelphia Eagles. More for seeding than anything. I mean, so this whole division is yeah. a mess. I don't know. I guess I honestly don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'll just go. Ratings. My brother-in-law is a big Eagles fan. I'll pick the Eagles. I'm, I'm not going to overthink I'm it. the Eagles as well. Carson Wentz has gotten a lot of um, – a lot of hate all year. He's had three wide receivers go down. He's currently throwing to the quarterback they used to play at Houston, um, Greg Ward. It was his first year playing wide receiver. That's his, like, number one. Um, I think they find a way to get a win at home. I'm going with Philly. Um, so I don't watch a whole lot of NFL football, as you can tell by my record and my favorite team. Um but I was watching when the Cowboys decided to actually play football this year, and an unbiased announcer by the name of Troy Aikman said this Cowboys team would be very dangerous in a home playoff spot. So, hey, sold me. I got the Cowboys, man. I think they turned it around against the Rams. And The reality of it is whoever wins this game is going to probably most likely, if everything plays out, well, I guess we'll see what happens, 49ers, Seahawks. Yeah. One of those two are going to go absolutely pound them. Seahawks and Niners are good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number three, L.A. Rams at San Francisco 49ers. Um, Rams are getting six and a half. Okay. Rams are out. Like Rams that, are, oh, I was going to say Rams. Ram, Rams losing the Cowboys yeah, last week basically puts them out of it. They're two games out with two to go. Right. The only way is that Minnesota loses out and they get in or something like that. I think the Niners are actually playing for the number one seed. I don't think that they're going to lay an egg. I got the Niners. I got the Niners, especially after how the last game ended. Like, yeah, a bad loss. They got to play for the one seed. They're, they're winning. Uh, they got some playoff implications. Whereas Rams season's pretty much over. Yep. I agree. Niners will have a hopefully a good bounce back game um, at home and kind of set themselves up for that last game against Seattle to see who gets that number one seed. All right, last one here: Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Bills are getting six and a half. Are the Bills real? We're gonna find out this weekend. Um, I my heart. Can find out on Thanksgiving. No. <laughs> my at the Cowboys wasn't enough for you. No. We just talked about how bad the Cowboys are. They're gonna have a home playoff game. That's NFL issue. <laughs> um, my heart wants to pick the Bills. I want to jump through this table for the Bills. I want to be part of the Mills Mafia. The Patriots aren't going to lose to them. They're not going to lose. And they're not going to not cover. It's a big spread. In New England. In New England. It's going to be cold, man. I got Patriots, man. Um, I couldn't disagree more. Actually, I could agree with all that, except for the fact, the whole Patriots side of it. I love the Bills. Love everything about them. Even if they don't win, I think this game's going to be like 13 to 10. Have you watched the Patriots lately? Yeah, they're not great. I'm just waffling on the fact that I don't but watch doesn't, football. I've watched this, the last couple is of Is this like typical Patriots? Like, oh, they've lost watch. the Ravens. they lost the Chiefs. They've lost the Texans. They're really not that good. I think the Bills can beat them and win the division for the first time. Belichick's going to beat them like 30 to 3. 
Nope. Brady's going to throw four touchdowns. This is how the Patriots work. Brady hasn't thrown four touchdowns in the last four Exactly. Weeks. They have him, everyone right where they want him, and everyone's going to go, yeek, Patriots it's, are good. Hey, it's going to be cold. It's going to be 13 to 10. Who wins? Coin toss. But <laughs> Bills are covering. Okay. That's a huge spread, I think, for how even these teams kind of are. We're going to find out. I'm going with the Patriots as well. Um, <laughs> until they prove me, like, wrong, wrong, wrong. Like, I know they look bad. But they always figure it out. And now I think with the whole them being on the sidelines or the Bengals, I think that was, yeah. I think that was Belichick. Should we talk about that? I think that was Belichick trying to get something with he always finds something to, for his team to latch on to. To they don't they don't think we're who we are. They think we're cheaters. He loves being well, they are. a cheater. Well, so be it, but they have how many rings regardless of cheating or not. But they had to cheat to beat the Bengals. So all those touchdowns invalid. So wait for them to open. Just take that week and throw it out. I still just think that they're. It's one of those. Yeah, I think it's one of those. Eventually, Tom Brady figures it out. New England has a solid enough defense where they're always going to keep him in games. It's not Tom Brady though; it's his receivers. It's a little bit of both. What is the truth? Receivers can't get open. It doesn't really matter. But how much are they missing Gronk right now? A lot. Gronk. How much are I listen, missing AB? How, how much is Gronk missing them? Zero. Zero. <laughs> if I'm a Gronk, great life. life. Okay, uh, let's wrap things up with the best thing that we saw. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> and you guys got a good one here to start? Um, I do, actually. The best thing I saw. Boomer Esiason, former Bengal great, <laughs> brought the Bengals to the Super Bowl twice, I believe. I have his autograph. He told me to stay cool. <laughs> That'll always be near and dear to my heart. Best advice you've ever gotten. Yes. And hey, what do you think I've done? You have stayed stay cool. pretty cool. <laughs> um, he handed Joe Burrow a Bengals helmet, and he was about to start crying like... Joe Burrow is a Bengals fan, and he didn't know what to do. He's from Ohio, right? Yeah, and he grew up a Bengals fan, I'm pretty sure. He's all in. Doesn't like Skyline Chili, but don't blame him for that. So I'm in on the Joe Burrow, despite the fact he wasn't good enough to play at Ohio State, and despite the fact he won't be good enough to beat Ohio State, but he will be good enough to make the Bengals relevant again. So when Boomer handed him that helmet and Boomer was going to start crying, it was awesome. I was all for it. It was the highlight of the Bengals season. Besides their one win. Who'd they beat? Someone. NFL team. Got off the schneid. Jets. Oh, them. yeah, the Jets. <laughs> Great Solid. week. Solid. If they would have played like that every week. They'd be 11-1. 12-1. Would have been a great season. Been an excellent season. They wouldn't have Joe Burrow, though. That wouldn't be the best yeah, thing. So. Hey, yeah, so we're thinking long-term. Long-term longevity here. Um, best thing I saw, the Heisman Trophy um, ceremony, seeing Coach O cry. Um, they call him such a football guy, and he's one of the toughest dudes you'll ever see. But when Burrow gave his speech, and it was a great speech, and you tell it was from the heart, you know, he's trying to tear up. And then just to see a big man that you hear about all the time and how tough he is, and he's a football guy, and to see him cry on that scene was, I don't know, it was just real. It was real emotions. And for Burrow to go from Ohio State being the backup and then picking um, – or um, Haskins over him and then having to transfer and last year he was undrafted they said he would never make the NFL mm-hmm. and now he's just jumped to the number 
you know, it can happen to anyone. One year, like trust the process. Continue to do what you do, and I think that just kind of shows it's okay to have emotions sometimes. Do what you feel or let it go. Yeah. Um, best thing that I saw, seen lots of good things. I can go with the Broncos like usual, but last week wasn't too good with the Chiefs, I suppose. Um, I guess best thing that I've seen lately uh, is also something that made me laugh and kind of giggle and all that at the same time was LeBron saying, if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. Why would anyone do load management? I'm the biggest LeBron guy, but I had a chuckle because I think LeBron was the guy in like 2011 going, I got to rest for the finals. I got to rest for the playoffs. I got to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know why he... So, but it was people fun for me to see that. It was the best like, thing for me to see because it's just like, oh, okay. You, Le, Le, LeBron just thinks of things differently, so he's sitting there going, well... What's the best thing to say right now for like... 100%. Well, on and who is their goals. biggest rival and his biggest rival for best team and best player in the league? Clippers and Kawhi. Yeah, okay. And all they're doing is talking about load management, and LeBron's going, eh, man, if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. Why wouldn't I play? I don't know how many years I have left, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, I think, to me, that was the best thing that I saw, and more for it just kind of made me chuckle than anything else. So, um, Sky. Um, shout out. Best thing I saw in my – it hasn't happened yet, but – LeBron sitting out of game, right, Sky? Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. That sounds good. Good call, buddy. Um, all right. Anything else? Happy holidays. Yeah, have a Merry Christmas. Um, we'll see everybody at Holiday Hoops Camp that's coming through. There's still some spots left, so get signed up and registered today. Other than that, we are out of here. Travel safe for the holidays, and uh, um, everyone enjoy your time. Lots of good basketball games coming up, too. Um, with uh, It's not called Mike Miller Classic anymore. It's the Hoop, Hoop City, City Classic. Hoop City Classic coming up after December. We won't, we won't talk to you guys until then, so lots of good matchups. All right, we're out of here.